0: wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air broadcasting live from the annex wealth management studios at the avenue in beautiful downtown milwaukee here's john mccure
1: all right so i was in ireland for about 10 days and one of my last days, I told somebody that I was from uh, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and they said, oh, is that near Chicago? And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. And I said, we live in Milwaukee. And then they said, oh, don't the Packers play in Wisconsin? And I said, they do. Green Bay Packers play in Green Bay. said, oh, is that weird guy still the quarterback? <laughs> this was a guy who knew almost nothing about football, but followed what happens in America like they all do. I said, yeah. And then I got to thinking, I wonder if when I get back, Aaron Rodgers will still
2: be a member of the Green Bay Packers. And he is. Uh, it turns out, yeah, he still is a member of the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. Now, here's what happens. So the longer this drags out, the more you're going to hear about, oh, I don't know, maybe some other teams are going to be interested ah. in Aaron Rodgers. So that's been sort of the news of the last 24 hours. Uh, people in San Francisco are saying, no, there is no smoke smoke right here. There's no fire at all. Hmm. Uh, don't worry about us. Right? You know, there's quarterback question marks in Baltimore, and there's some other teams that are in desperate need of a quarterback. The draft will answer some of those questions. I still believe this is all about the Jets, and the Packers trying to hammer out a deal. But the more and more you get down the road here, the more and more angst is developing among those who want to see a deal done. Here's ESPN's Mike Greenberg, a noted Jets fan from earlier today.
0: He suggested that the Jets, with their first-round pick this year, because Rodgers is a short-term proposition, that the Jets should draft a quarterback at number 14, to which I said, oh, sure. Why shouldn't a team that's acquiring Aaron Rodgers draft a quarterback in the first round? What could go wrong? <laughs> He's certainly given us no indication that that will piss him off beyond words. <laughs> so, I mean, that was of all the things anyone has ever said on my show. And we've had some really dumb things said on my show. I've said most of them.
2: That was the dumbest. And that's uh, Mike Greenberg <laughs> talking about Mike Tannenbaum, who was a former GM of the Jets, who's on the uh, Get Up show in the morning on ESPN. He was in the room when they orchestrated the Brett Favre deal. So he knows all uh. about how this stuff works uh, in trying to figure out compensation for an aging, yet talented veteran quarterback.
3: With a temperament, to Greeny's point, you know, like, ooh, how can we, you know, make him mad? He's been kind of refreshingly silent.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank Which goodness.
3: is sort of like when your kids are quiet, Like, it, doesn't that make you worry a little bit? It's like, don't you kind of want him coming out and taking some attention so that way we can at least know what he's doing that he's still trying to orchestrate things?
1: I think he probably learned from giving the Packers the leverage when he spoke up last time on the McAfee show that just shut up. You're on the brink of screwing
2: this up. It's going to happen. Be quiet. You've heard from everybody, I think, involved here in the order I would have expected to hear. Right, you, you you heard well. Mark Murphy kind of shot his mouth off after their <laughs> conversations, but uh, that was also expected. He he has a way of doing that. Then we heard from Aaron. Then we heard from Goody, and then we heard from Matt Lafleur. Then we heard from the Jets brass, including their owner. Like it's very clear, the owner of the Jets, Woody Johnson, wants to get this thing done and get it done soon. And the Jets are trying not to give up too much. The Packers are trying to get more than they probably should get. Right? Isn't that kind of how it works? Yeah, the dance. Well, sure. the that's just kind of where we are yeah. with April 27th sort of hovering as a deadline because that's night one of the NFL draft. All right. It
1: is election day. Polls are open for about another two hours and 45 minutes. You've still got time to get to the polls. The big race in many areas, the only race on the ballot is that for the Wisconsin Supreme Court. What exactly is at stake? Jeff Mayers, the president of WISP Politics, is with us live up next. There's a big old Supreme Court race here in the state of Wisconsin and a couple of other things going on as well. Jeff Mayers is the president of WISPolitics, and he is with us on the WTMJ Hotline. Jeff, it's always good to catch up. Hope you're doing well.
4: Doing great, John. How about you?
1: I'm doing well, too. This race, Daniel Kelly, Janet Protosevich, it really will literally potentially determine the direction of the court and take us in another direction, won't it?
4: Oh yeah, I mean, if Proseuus wins, uh, then liberals will control the court. Uh, Brian Hagedorn uh, is a, a, a justice who sometimes, a conservative justice who sometimes uh, goes with the liberals, but the liberals will have a certain majority, and uh, if certain cases come before the court, uh, I think uh, you could see them um, uh, go the uh, liberal slash democratic way.
1: So, Jeff, I was looking this up earlier, and about 10 years ago is when justices really started to openly let people know whether they were conservative or liberal. Before that, they would even court the favor of the governor, no matter who the governor was. They were more coy, at least, even though we knew they had leanings one way or the other. What's your take on what this has done to how our state operates and what happens in our state?
4: Okay, well, you know, the, uh, we have gone long past the time when these are nonpartisan races, okay? Uh, so, I mean, these are partisan affairs. Uh, yes, I, as some of these partisan leanings were shaded. I think Protosawitz has really, you know, uh, really been out there like no other uh, judicial candidate uh, in Wisconsin history going out there and saying these are her personal beliefs. Now, that's not how I'm going to rule, but these are my personal beliefs. It's a clear signal Uh, to voters. Um, I think voters want that. I mean, we have, uh, we elect our justices. Um, You know, if we didn't elect our justices, it would probably be a little bit different, Uh, not entirely nonpartisan, but it would be different. And so I just think that that's the nature of electoral politics in Wisconsin, a purple state.
3: Over $40 million invested in this race. So we know now what the Wisconsin implications are, but... What are the national implications of this race and why all this money has been pumped into this election?
4: So it's uh, $46 million by our most uh, wow. recent count. You know what, you know, so we'll, we'll probably top $50 million. Protose- has had a, uh, a clear edge from the beginning, and our count shows her uh, $26 million, uh, the Protosayowitz side, versus $20 million to the Kelly side. And then there's stuff there that, isn't easily counted. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I think that, uh, court races, uh, you know, this will set a template for court races, uh, elsewhere. Uh, you know, re- we have to remember that Republicans, um, leading up to 2008, Wisconsin had a national effort to win Supreme courts around the country and they succeeded in Wisconsin in 2008 and conservatives have ruled since then. And, um, so now uh, Democrats have caught up and have made it a, uh, a top priority, obviously. They were ready to go, uh, you know, as soon as the November election was over. Uh, and I hear complaints from Republicans that, well, Republicans were not ready to go. Uh, and so uh, they're not very optimistic about today. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it sets a new template. I think people are going to look at the Wisconsin playbook if say it wins and try to copy it.
1: People complain on both sides that there's too much money involved, and there's a lot of money involved, but it's not easy to solve. What would it take to solve that part of the equation?
4: Well, you know, money and politics. I mean, it's an age-old thing. I mean, you know, the lid has been blown off of this. And, I, you know, I mean, we used to uh, remember uh, the Fine Gold mccain Act. I mean, you know, that got yeah. tossed out by the U.S. Supreme Court and, You know, I mean, I think we're in a uh, era of uh, not controls, but transparency. Uh, And I think that uh, there was just a law, uh, something signed in law in New Jersey, which, um, you know, uh, went the direction of transparency, not control. And so I just think that this is, um, again, the nature of uh, politics in this age. I think that um, the best we can hope for really seems to be that uh, these things will be reported and we'll know. Um, you know, uh, as best we can, who's supporting whom.
1: Jeff Mayers is the president of WIS politics He's with us. Jeff, I want to ask you about uh, a state Senate race that's taking place. Not so much about the race. The race is uh, in, in my district, actually, here, and it runs from Milwaukee through Ozaukee um, and into Waukesha County. It's Jody Habish-Sinkin against Dan Canodal. Here's my question. If Canodal wins, there will be a supermajority. In the state Senate, which basically means they could impeach Democratic officials. They could do a lot of other things, a step closer to overriding vetoes. It makes things easier. What's the likelihood? Do you believe that happens?
4: Well, they won't be able to override vetoes be, uh, all by themselves because both houses have to do that. But um, will I guess it's will the uh, Republicans uh, go in that direction? I think they will threaten to go in that direction. Um, I think um you know they have to be mindful uh if they have such a supermajority to use it uh in i think measured ways um you know uh, but they you know they did uh, uh hold up a lot of uh, uh governor evers uh, appointments and that was setting a certain precedent you know democrats will remember <laughs> these affronts uh so i think that uh you know um um i think they will pick and choose you know whether to go Take that extra step that would you know because it's a president setting move
1: it is indeed jeff mayers is the president of WisPolitics. politics I always appreciate your perspective jeff thank you so much for spending some time with us
4: oh absolutely anytime
1: wisconsin's
0: afternoon news on wtmj all right weather's going to be a big story
1: tonight and it's looking like it's a very serious situation meteorologist brian Isnanski is with us so as I look at the radar right now, just in our neck of the woods, you don't see anything mm-hmm. yet. Where is this storm right now that's going to impact us? We're watching it fire up right now
5: across portions of there's really two clusters one right across central iowa and another one that's more like in the corners of uh like right around quincy illinois like western illinois northeast corner of missouri uh those storms are heading northeast i think they'll both kind of conglomerate together and uh, eventually move into southern wisconsin um i think we will see storms i think the biggest question tonight is how far north this warm front goes because the warm front is going to be a factor of Whether you're sitting with an east wind and 45 degrees or you have temperatures spiking into the 60s, high humidity in an environment that is very favorable for not only severe weather, but also tornadoes. Right now, my best guess is that warm front, by the time these storms arrive, makes it maybe, maybe as far north as, say, 94 from Milwaukee to Madison. Um, now, again, that wiggles a little farther north, and the severe weather goes north. If it goes south, then it's right down towards the state line. So watching that very closely, uh, all bets are on the table as far as uh, large hail, strong winds, and especially away from Lake Michigan. I I do think the lake is going to have, now now I know there's a myth that the lake protects us all the time. That's not the case. I think there will be a strong enough east wind, though, most of this event, that the lake will help us out as far as our tornado threat here in Milwaukee. Maybe not so much out towards Jefferson County, though.
1: So how much protection does the lake provide? How far west do you need to go in general to have the lake help you? Uh, the
5: winds, it all depends on how strong the winds are. If it is a technical lake breeze where like much of the area is still Southwest, or if it's like one of those cases where I do think much of the evening, it's going to be a straight, strong East wind. So I would say up until about 10 o'clock, the severe threat here is pretty minimal. And then that warm front starts inching in and our winds will bend out of the South. We could have a very... Easy case. Late tonight, we're like Lake Geneva sitting at like seventy degrees, and Port Washington's at like forty. So, like, wow. it's uh, it's going to be very interesting on where that front sets up, and then we'll have a much better idea of where these storms that have all this severe potential lines up. But I, I would say one thing: no matter how far north that that front goes, the lake will be a factor. So, I would say overall, your risk for severe weather is greater the farther away uh, from the lake you go. If if, if you're well inland, folks, I, I really want you to to. Think about how you get your warnings, whether that's through your phone buzzing at you or if that's the weather radio. Um, Don't depend on the siren. Um, I'm not saying it's for sure that we're going to get tornadoes tonight, but you guys know me enough that I'm not going to over-alarm or anything that that tonight I think there is enough of a risk that you want to take those
1: precautions.
3: Yep, good advice. Nothing you want to mess with when it comes to a tornado, and especially if you're (sighs) asleep And disoriented, and you've got seconds to get downstairs into a basement.
5: Worst case scenario, severe weather when most people are sleeping. And um, that's what you got all this technology for now. There are many ways for you to get get these warnings, so uh, it's all on you guys. But uh, on the plus side, hey, 70 degrees will feel pretty good tomorrow morning. Unfortunately, I think we have more storms around tomorrow morning, so uh, don't get your Speedo on and go to uh, North Beach or uh, the uh, Bradford Beach, John, uh, tomorrow morning. Um, I'll
1: resist the temptation.
5: (laughs) I know. It's a... it won't last too long. I think by tomorrow afternoon, cold front passing through and back into the 50s. But,
1: yeah, it's going to be kind of a wild 12 to 18-hour shift. All right, meteorologist Brian Nisnansky, we will stay tuned to the forecast. Thanks, Niz. Great. Thanks, guys. It is 544 at WTMJ. President Donald Trump, the former president's plane, has just landed moments ago in West Palm Beach, Florida. It is now taxiing towards the terminal. He will give a speech coming up in a couple of hours here. And uh, we will stay on top of it, and you can as well at WTMJ.com. The charges have been unsealed in New York. What does it mean? What do we now know? Royal Oaks, ABC News legal analyst, with us live up next. (music) Former President Donald Trump has been charged with 34 felonies. What does that mean? What exactly is he charged with, and what could the possible penalties be? Royal Oaks best name in radio abc news legal analyst is with us from los angeles royal good afternoon thanks for being with us
0: thank you they tell me i have a face for radio so i've always (laughs) taken that as a compliment yeah well we we
1: like the name we don't like that phrase though face for radio no no. (laughs) i understand i understand hey what does this this mean take us inside i think a lot of people were thinking i read this morning the president could be charged with a felony or two and it's 34 felonies
0: yeah, and we were scratching our heads the last week or so when the news leaked, well, it's 24, and then it's 30. And it's, it turns out it was 34. But there are really two parts to this indictment. First, that uh, Trump allegedly violated the election laws. And secondly, that he falsified business records. So it's really one giant felony, and he's looking at four years behind bars if he's convicted. And essentially the case boils down to this. The election is about to happen in November 2016, or October, right before it. Trump gets wind that maybe Stormy Daniels will be uh, kicking up a fuss and talking, and that could hurt him in the election, allegedly. So Trump says to his lawyer, his fixer, Michael Cohen, look, you take care of her, you pay her off, and then I'll reimburse you. And that's what Cohen did. He borrowed money, hundred and thirty grand, paid her off. In the next year or so, in 2017, every few months, Cohen would send a bill to Trump and say, okay, for legal services rendered, you owe me thirty-five grand." and it added up to you know, 130 plus what he'd have to pay for taxes and so on. And the DA's theory is this is a falsification of Trump organization business records because the records were a lie. He wasn't getting legal fees, Cohen. He was simply getting reimbursed for having paid Stormy Daniels off. And the kicker is if you do that crime with the intent to commit another crime, for example, an election law that says, hey, if you're going to give yourself 130 grand, you got to tell us, the government, because that's what the law says. Trump didn't do that. That, in a nutshell, is the case against Donald Trump.
1: Royal, is there any scenario where Donald Trump spends one minute in jail for this, or is that not the sort of penalty that would typically be handed out in this white-collar crime?
0: Exactly right. He, he, it, typically, it, with no record, it's not like he has a Bernie Madoff track record behind him. Uh, and it's nonviolent. He wouldn't see any jail time at all. But you never know. I mean, depending on and this judge, same judge, handling this case that handled the one against Trump organization in, in recent months. And man, he slammed the organization with a million six penalty. Uh, he said to uh, Esselberg, the the CFO of Trump's organization, hey, I promised to give you a five month sentence if you cooperated. Now that I see everything you did, I, I'm sorry I made that promise. So this is the same guy who's going to be presiding over this case but, you know, of course, there are political implications uh, that go far beyond whether he does a day in jail. Uh, if, you, if you couple this with the potential of indictments down in Georgia, about the election law, down in Florida, over the confidential documents he allegedly had at Mar-a-Lago, up to Washington, D.C., the January 6th insurrection, those are moving parts that could really be a substantially greater risk to Donald Trump's campaign than just the Stormy Daniels incident.
3: What are the next steps in this process? Now, after this headline making day, what is the legal process? Yeah, the next hearing
0: isn't going to be till December, which is kind of a shock to most of us because, I mean, theoretically, you've got a constitutional right to a speedy trial. Trump could have said, hey, let's get it on. I want a trial in two or three four months. And the government might say, well, no, we need six months. Okay, we'll have a trial in October. No, apparently, both sides probably talked with the judge and agreed that, yeah, we're fine coming back in December. That means the trial, if it actually happens, is solidly, squarely, into the presidential campaign next year. Now, you ask what's next. Even before that, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump's lawyers roll out motions. First of all, they'll say the statute of limitations was was blown by the DA, so dump it for that reason. And then there's kind of an inside baseball deal. The DA in New York City is part of the state court system, not the federal court system. But it's possible that the real bottom line of this indictment is a federal campaign law violation you can't give yourself 130 grand without revealing that and if that's true trump might be able to get this tossed out of state court and the judge might agree with trump and say you know what a state court da can't do that that's down the road we don't know what he's going to argue but you can bet they're going to fight tooth and nail any way they can between now and december
1: royal oaks is with us on wtmj you alluded to those other investigations that are going on Um, multiple criminal investigations, some of them with the allegations being much more serious. What, if you're a Trump attorney, gives you the most pause? Is it Georgia? Is it something else? What would you be most concerned about?
0: I think it's got to be Georgia. If you look at the January 6th insurrection, as strongly as many people feel, that Donald Trump yelled fire in a crowded theater. He incited a riot. He's able to say, read my speech, watch the video. I said walk to the Capitol peaceably. Maybe I wasn't as quick to go on TV to tell them to stop it as people would have preferred, but I didn't incite riots. So that one may go away. The documents at Mar-a-Lago, as we know from subsequent events, you know, Mike Pence had documents, Joe Biden had documents, not exactly a hanging offense. is probably the biggest jeopardy because that so-called perfect phone call that was recorded. Some people might say, hey, if Donald Trump sincerely believed there was fraud in Georgia, what's wrong with him asking the officials to investigate? And he really hopes they will find those 12,000 votes he needs to win. On the other hand, the other side of the coin is. He knew darn well there was no evidence to support the allegation of fraud, and he was pressuring those people to find those votes for him any which way they could. I think that poses the greatest jeopardy. And 57% of Americans, according to opinion polls, think that somebody under indictment really shouldn't be running for president. If that's true, if he's facing multiple indictments then that number is probably even higher. And so the mere pendency of these things may cause people to go from Trump fatigue to Trump utter exhaustion. And that could be fatal to his election campaign.
1: Royal Oaks, ABC News legal analyst with us from Los Angeles. The story will continue to follow. Royal, thank you so much. You bet. All right, so Election Day here in Wisconsin. Polls are open for a little bit more than two hours. They close at 8 o'clock. They will close at 8 o'clock. There is a Supreme Court race and other referendums, other local races, other judicial races, a state Senate race. You can tune in to 101.7 The Truth beginning at 8 o'clock. I will be there with Dr. Ken Harris. We will break down election night, take you inside the polls and all that good stuff. 8 o'clock tonight on 101.7 The Truth and results at WTMJ.com.
3: You still have time to go vote and get your sticker if you haven't yet.
1: So get out there. (laughs)